Ever wonder the true power of sports? Well, you come to the right place. Welcome to the Sports for Social Impact podcast. I'm David Thibodeau, and I believe that by exploring the intersection between sport and society, we can better leverage the sport industry for maximum impact. We explore what sports' true power is to understand the impacts on and the impacts of sports on society. Join me as we learn how sports can influence important policy areas such as the environment, transportation, education, and so much more. Welcome back to another episode of the Sports for Social Impact podcast. Uh, we hope you had a good summer. I took a few weeks off uh, just because everything was getting really busy with summer and uh, lots of uh, fun things happening. So uh, we ended up taking August off and just to reset and take a, take a break from uh, some of the, some of the things going on. But so we're back. Uh, we're ready for the fall and for the the winter uh, coming up. And we have some great ideas and great topics planned. So um, yeah, follow along and 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 definitely keep listening. So in today's episode, we have Thomas Cervetti, who is one of the co-founders for Nomad Surfing. He was living in Southeast Asia for five years where he met the two other co-founders. They surfed all over Indonesia uh, and they faced shocking plastic pollution and could notice its impacts on marine life and reefs. That's when they decided to start Nomads Surfing in order to, in order to develop alternatives in the surf industry. So Nomad Surfing is an eco-friendly surf brand. They work every day to offer new products that are the most eco-friendly and in accordance with the circular economy principles. They believe that it is time for mentalities to change and the surfing industry must start its revolution. So they donate 5% of their online sales to ocean protection associations. Since 2018, 18,000 euros have been donated to more than eight, uh, to, uh, and more than eight tons of waste has been removed from the oceans. This week's news is about the Women's World Cup. Uh, I think it was a huge success. I think that uh, you know, a lot of people listening probably watched at least parts of it, uh, you know, a couple matches for your home country or for others. Um, I, you know, I took a trip in August and everyone was talking about it. Everyone was following along. Uh, it was really great to see how invested people were in following along their, their, their home country uh, and, you know, watching their progress and their successes. And this is the first time that Spain has won the Women's World Cup. So that's, that's, uh, really awesome. Um, it, some other interesting things definitely came out of it. Um, so over 1.9 million fans attended matches in Australia and in New Zealand. Uh, so it was over 1.9 million. This is pretty close to the, you know, how many people attended men's, the men's world cup, uh, about 500,000 less than, than that in, uh, than, than, who attended in Qatar in 2022. Um, I, I think it was really incredible, um, you know, how close it was and how far the women's sport has come. And, you know, it, it clearly it shows that there's a lot of room for growth and that um, it, it can happen and it will happen. Um, this FIFA World Cup, uh, the, so FIFA, FIFA's digital platforms received over 50 million visitors throughout the tournament, which is a 130% increase um, from France and, uh, you know, from the France edition in 2019, which is a huge increase. Uh, and that's going to keep growing. That's going to keep growing. 
And the match between Australia and England was the most watched TV program in Australia's history. So there was a total of 11.15 million viewers watching at one point during the broadcast. So that's incredible. um, It is the most streamed event ever in Australia. Um, And it it really just goes to show that, you know, when you play women's sports on, in media, on TV, on sports channels, people will watch, you know, we've talked about, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but you know, right now about five to 6% of media airtime uh, is dedicated to women's sports, which is pathetic. You know, we need to sh- promote women's sports more. We need to show women's sports more on online, on our TVs, um, on sports channels to help raise the profile and get that investment that's needed. So that's the news for this week. Obviously, there's going to be more stats coming out about the Women's World Cup. Uh, you know, global viewership, uh, I'm sure, will be extremely high. Um, and different things like that will be coming out. But, we'll, you know, we'll be definitely sharing some of those articles on our social media. So definitely uh, follow us along on there. So now we'll get back to the episode. Um, I will apologize. I was recovering from uh, about of covid during when i recorded this um so sorry for <laughs> sorry for that a little bit but uh it's definitely a great interview with with thomas and and talking about the future of the sport equipment industry and, and incorporating circular economy ideals into our sport equipment and our and our products so have a listen and yeah i hope you enjoyed the the interview So welcome today to my guest, Thomas Cervetti, who is the co-founder, one of the co-founders of Nomad Surfing. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk to me about uh, the, you know, everything that your company is doing. Um, I think it's really interesting. And I'm excited to, to highlight it more on the podcast. So um, first, tell us a bit about uh, yourself. Yeah. Hi, David. Thanks for, first of all, thanks for inviting me. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm Thomas. I'm currently living in uh, in France, in, in Bordeaux, more precisely. I'm 34 years old. Uh, used to be a civil engineer, and uh, I'm actually now working for the past six years with uh, with uh, Nicholas and Basil, which are the two co- of the co-founders of Nomad Surfing. Um, yeah, I've been working uh, as I was saying uh, as a civil engineer for the past uh, for five years in uh, in Kuala Lumpur in uh, in Malaysia. Uh, it was uh, quite a while ago, but it's where I met uh, Nicholas. And uh, from that experience, I think uh, this linked basically to nomad surfing because we've been um, uh, was surfing a lot. That's the band that was connecting the three of us, obviously. And uh, we were also facing in perfect, um, perfect beaches and perfect waves, uh, plastic pollution. So we wanted to do to do something on our own, and uh, like we quit our jobs and start working on uh, on nomad surfing to develop and propose an alternative to the surfers, which which is made locally and uh, with yeah alternative materials. Amazing. So that's a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of the inspiration behind Nomad Surfing. So tell us more about what you actually do with with Nomad Surfing. What what is it all about? 
Yeah, so it all started with, uh, like I was saying, this experience in, in Southeast Asia. Basil was in the Philippines and uh, both Nicola and I were in um, in Malaysia. So we, when we were back to, to France, uh, quitting our job, we, we decided to, to start to start normal surfing. So we are not shapers our, ourselves. So the shaper is the one who will basically build the, the, surfboard, the surfboard, sorry, from scratch. Uh, but we teamed with uh, different partners and what we've been doing for the past six years is um, doing innovation and research on how can we bring innovative uh, new materials from other industry into the surf industry. So um, we've been working on like surfboards, like how to use less pollutant or less uh, well, materials which are which have a, a low lower impact on the environment like uh, like the EPS foam, which is basically what you have around your TV when you go to the um, IFIS, um, to the, like, uh, sorry, how do you say that? Uh, when you go to any shop, basically where you buy a TV. Uh, that's the the foam. So this one is fully recycled. Um, we're using biosource resin. We, we're making all this uh, from Europe or in France. We've been developing um, three types of accessories, which are... Uh, mandatory for for surfers so it'll be the fins the traction pad who goes on top uh, as well as the leash and all this is fully made of uh, of um, recycled products um, meaning uh, it's ghost nets so recycled fishing nets uh, that we're using for the fins uh, recycled cork for the traction pads as well as a recycled neoprene to to make the the, the the scratch around the around the ankle who goes for the for the surfish so basically this is all we have been uh, developing for the past uh, past six years okay so why why was it important for you to incorporate those circular economy ideals into the into the surfboard like why was it um yeah i i i think you talk about it a lot on your website about the you no know, how it's how that's so important to you and your business so why why yeah. why was it important well, the, this this is the main reason we we wanted to 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 start Nomad Surfing. If it's to make another brand and uh, just uh, change the design or the graphic, it was it was no interest. Uh, I wouldn't I would not say we are we have like huge innovation in terms of shapes. Uh, you can find the full range of surfboards in our house, but what what's the difference we want to make? And this is where we are unique because we are the only uh, European European brand to to propose those eco-friendly products is uh, is the impact that they have. Basically, we we starting from uh, that's that's where the the circular economy starts. Usually, we identify a waste, uh, a common waste that we have from partners or people or whatever, and we try to see okay, that's that's the waste we have, and how can we incorporate that in the next product we will make. Instead of okay, I want to I want to make that product and I'll find whatever the materials I need. So we've started with uh, with the wetsuit I was saying, with the fishing nets, with the cork. Uh, now we're working on like how to recycle flip flops, and uh, really we might potentially that's that's on the road. Um, we ended ended up uh, producing uh, yoga mats. 
so that okay we have the flip-flops we'll shred it we'll incorporate with some uh, like glue and uh, and we'll see what what can we make and uh, and from a yeah from a, a waste you you turning around and it will be the your raw material for the for the next thing you hmm. you're producing so yeah circular economy is is our our baseline as well as the um, uh, i would say ngos because for the past like six years ago even when we started we say okay five percent all or the direct sale will make all that will go to um to NGOs. So at the very beginning of Nomads, uh, we were still working like in Southeast Asia, uh, par partially. So Basi was in the Philippines where we were helping uh, NGOs there, and I was in Malaysia where we were helping another NGO. So it was like kind of a triangle thing. Um, that's that's another subject. But regarding the Philippines, there's uh, we have um, a documentary on Netflix. Uh, 45 minutes documentary about like the the impact uh, we had on on this NGO and and wider like the work they were doing which is amazing so like if if you have a bit of time I uh, it's called Nomad in two words and it's it's pretty interesting. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I hadn't heard mm -hmm. of that. I'll definitely go check it out on Netflix. Um, that's mm -hmm. awesome. So, mm -hmm. what have you what have you seen the impact to be so far? Through nomad surfing like have you been able to see tangible results through um through, through your through your company yeah so this this one thing like you were asking first first of all uh why we wanted to make circular economy uh like one of the pillar of nomad surfing is uh usually when you so I don't know if you have a lot of surfer friends, but you will say all oh, those guys they are super connected to the ocean to nature they they they're careful about the environment so that's that's what we think and most most likely it's uh, it's 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 true i i agree however there's something called the um, surfers paradox i don't know if you ever heard about that no. I, I guess not yeah. so those those people those surfers or whoever whoever is uh, uh who is playing i would say playing either it's a windboard surfboard bodyboard whatever uh, you're using uh on the ocean is actually uh, using materials, surfboards, wings, uh, all the all all the tools, all the all the yeah, all the tools you have is made from um, petroleum products, and it's made usually on the other side of the of the world. So yeah, you care about the the environment, but usually they don't realize that everything has a huge impact on the environment. To so to answer your first question is we wanted to break that and uh, show that it was possible to build something from a lot of recycled materials so um, lower the impact and make it uh, locally so uh, we have been doing that for quite a while now and um, and yeah i will say that it's it's more and more in uh, in people's mind and uh, i'm pretty happy that uh, we can we can see that the clients that the, the people we are talking to are are slowly moving towards that i think it's uh, it's not into surfing only but in the food we buy in the way we move and in the the vacation we we do um, all over the world slowly things are are moving but um, regarding nomad surfing we are still a very small brand uh, mostly in, uh, in France, so in terms of um, like surf industry, uh, things will like will move a lot when the the bigger player will also mm. uh, yeah play their part. I'll say. Right. Okay. And so, 
and part of the idea that you know the inspiration behind nomad surfing was all the plastic pollution that you saw on the beaches and stuff um so i'm curious to know how, are you trying to address that anyway through the project as well like are you trying are you doing are you doing beach cleanups and then using that material to recycle into the into the surfboards or or maybe that's a future plan or not, not quite there yet or are you, are you doing anything with that uh, that's uh that's what that's the first uh thought that people have they because we do uh, obviously we organize uh cleanups and the the, the direct uh, link you do is okay the plastic you have in the in the cleanups you put in surfboards well that's uh unfortunately that's too simple uh we can't really make that because the plastic found on the beaches usually it's uh, it's too old we don't know what it is it's almost broken it's been like weeks if not months uh, under the sun and the mm. sand so it's it cannot be used like that usually there's a bit of life or fungus or weeds on, on it so it's it's impossible to be used um i was saying that we like, like a big waste on the on the ocean in the in english it would be uh, the atlantic uh, gear plastic gear you know like the, the yep. seventh continent something like that yeah. lots of uh, of these um of this continent will be uh, fishing nets, fishing gears, and fishing equipment, uh, which is plastic. So in the fins, the fins are what you plug under the under the surfboard. Uh, so the fins we make is actually made of um, recycled fishing nets. So uh, fishermen and uh, in the Mediterranean coast of France and Spain, instead of throwing their their the nets uh, in 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 the sea. Uh, they have boxes in all the harbor. We're working with the company so they can discard this, those nets and they are collected, sorted out and shredded. And, uh, and this material is afterwards sold to different companies. Some people are making sunglasses, um, swimming, uh, swimsuits, or, and we, we're doing fins. All right? So as you were asking, yeah, we, we def definitely addressed um, some of those problems because uh, we're making products out of nets that would have been potentially uh, killing animals by just you know like be float floating in the in the ocean that we call uh, ghost nets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely yeah, di diverting that waste from the oceans into this product, I think is definitely ha having a huge huge impact. I think yeah, the, um, those like those nets and stuff really do cause a lot of waste in in the oceans and. Uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I think diverting that into more useful products like this, I think is is really great. And you know, even though you can't take the stuff off the right off the beaches and put it into the surfboard, um, you know, I think you're still, yeah, you're still tackling that problem the same, the sort of in a different way. But um, yeah, once once it's in once it's uh, sorry once it's in the ocean, it's very complicated to um, to use afterwards. Uh, because like I was saying, it's it will be too complicated. What you need to do is uh, capture or collect this uh, this plastic, this waste before before it goes uh, into the ocean. Um, some NGOs, some even companies are are trying to clean uh, some of the plastic in the ocean. It's a great thing to do. Um, but usually, what I, I I give is an example of um, if you're going into your apartment and uh, the bath is overflowing, what you will do is you not uh, soak the water out of the bath. First thing you do is you turn off the tap, right? So yes, we can clean the ocean. That's that's a good thing to do. Beach cleanup will help us as well. But what we need to do 
first of all, or at the same time anyway, it's um, stopping the flow of plastic going uh, into the ocean. Yeah. In my head as an athlete, um, I've seen a lot of sport equipment. You know, lots of sport uses lots of different sort of sport equipment. And, and you know, it may not go, be going towards, you know, you, you know, when you throw out those sport equipment, it may not go into the ocean, but it does create a lot of waste that goes into our landfills and, and, and pollutes the environment in different ways. I'm just curious to, to know your thoughts on, you know, the, the, I guess like sort of the, the bigger sport industry, uh, like this bigger sport equipment industry and what do you think it might take for other companies to, to really start thinking about their, their, their waste problem and think about more about this, this circular economy as well. Um, okay. When, when you think like bigger scale and you either, whatever the scale, when you look at a sport equipment, a sport product and its impact on the, on the environment, there's two main, uh, features, two main criterias that you, you got to take into account. Uh, basically we are looking at, uh, their environmental impact or we, there's lots of impact, but what you can look at is uh, is the carbon footprint, which is one of them, but not the only one. Uh, there's two main things I'll say it's very important. is first of all, how you make that product, all right? What's the material you use? How far is it made from its selling points? So, because transport will have some impact. So that's one thing. Uh, that's where I was saying we're using a lot of raw materials, which are not raw materials. All raw materials are recycled or upcycling. Um, and we're trying to make it locally. Um, and the last thing is how long does that last? It's very nice to do something uh, eco or with a lot of recycle, but if it's not um, designed to last for a long time, then then it, it, it's not interesting because uh, may, maybe someone will do it with a raw mat, virgin raw material, but if it, if it lasts three, four, or five times longer, like five years, I don't know, for a wetsuit, for example, or for shorts, for running shoes, whatever. Um, and then uh, there's those two things. It's good to do eco-friendly, but at the same time, it has to, to, long, to last for uh, the longest. And, and doing things that you can repair or that you can change some parts of without throwing the whole thing. Um, it's sometimes a bit complicated to do with uh, sport equipment, but uh, I know I know people are doing. Some companies are doing that. That's the two main thing you you gotta you gotta take into account. Um, and you know when it comes to shifting businesses, uh, sh shifting processes, or what people have been doing for decades, um, they will uh, they have their message. They want to say that they want to be greener uh, and uh, you know do what what's good for the planet but at the end of the day it's all about uh, like margin and benefits so comp if if there's a business to if it's still um, profitable to do it bigger company will uh, will shift so um it's that's that's a basic thing but we are voting with our wallet so if we're buying the the right products uh, and sending this message to to the company okay i'm i'm, I'm willing to 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 pay a bit more because this has been made in canada or in north america and uh yeah it's 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 the it's more expensive than the the, the asian one but uh yeah i'm willing to you know to go towards that so if we send that message that's also the the um, the reason why bigger companies uh, multinationals will uh, will shift towards uh, this kind of products 
So have you heard stories from clients that you know, have purchased from Nomad Surfing to saying, you know, I, I've seen plastic pollution on the beaches where I surf. Like this is a problem that directs that it directly impacts me and what, you know, the sport that I love doing. Um, so, you know, obviously that was the story that you and your other co-founders had. Um, so I'm just curious to know if you've, if you've heard the same thing from people who have bought the surfboards from you. Yeah. So, okay. Um, so most of our, most of our clients, uh, basically have their, this, um, this values connection or experience in the past. So if they go towards to nomad surfing, it's, uh, it's because we have this message and this is, this has been clear for us from the beginning. If we do it, then we'll do it differently. I'm, uh, you know, I, I was working, uh, in the public transport as an engineer. It was, it was good in, in, in a certain way. And uh, I was like, okay, if I if I shift all this, if I if I move to to, to another life, then I want to do do it a certain way. I'm not, you know. So this this is uh, this has been our core value from the beginning, and that's what people have been looking for uh, into our products. That's the reason they they will buy uh, buy our products because that's another thing uh, I I often say. Uh, will never beat the, the Asian production with uh, virgin raw materials and uh, cheap uh, labor labor price or labor work. I'm not sure how you say that, but it's it's unbeatable. Like we mm -hmm. can't we can't fight. They will always be cheaper. So um, we're trying our best to make products which are definitely in the in the market price range. However, we'll always. Uh, our price will always be higher than the basic uh, Asian stuff. Um, so yeah, when uh, a client goes to Nomad Surfing, that's what I was saying before, uh, is willing to, it will, it will definitely be able to um, search online and find a, like a website selling this kind of product. So yeah, you, but you know the service you have uh, with, you know the, where it has been made, how it has been made. And uh, that you're helping a, a small a small French company um, developing our products and trying to bring new innovative innovative products and um, mm -hmm. yeah innovation into the the surf industry. So so yeah, our our, our clients definitely um, yeah have have the, these stories. Mm -hmm. Amazing, yeah. I, I I assume that you did. I was just curious to know if that's you know really the driving force behind. <laughs> Uh, behind some of the clients that you're know, trying to seek out your company. And I think, yeah, I, I think that athletes, especially outdoor sport athletes, kind of do have a lot of those stories. You know, I know like um, skiers as well, right? You know, uh, it's been super warm all around the world this this year and uh, South America is going through a really big heat wave right now too in the middle of their winter. So they, you know, a lot of their ski hills is shut down too. So yeah, I, I think a lot of outdoor sport athletes have those stories that connect them to you know, environmental issues, whether climate change or plastic pollution or, you know, whatever issue it is. Um, and that makes them want to, you know, do something about it and, 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 you know, seeks out companies like Nomad Surfing to, to, you know, reduce their own impact on the environment. So I think it's, I think it's incredible that you, that you are providing that, that opportunity for, for surfers to, to do that and, 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 you know, protect the, protect their environment a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah, you know, David, uh, for like mountain lovers or people enjoying being in the oceans, uh, this is this is their playground. Uh, oceans, mountains, lake, whatever it is, forest, uh, hills. Um, 
this this is nature and uh this is where you're having the most fun this is where you spend hours and, and days uh so you you want to when you're an athlete and it, uh, actually it's your it's your it's your job to to do that uh you want to take care of it even even if you're not uh, like a full-time athlete or you just enjoy being in nature that you want to take care of it uh it's very different from a soccer player tennis player nothing mm-hmm. against them I'm, I'm just saying that when you go to the soccer field some someone has been uh, cleaning it or pushing the trash away and you you can have your your you know soccer match or soccer game uh same thing with all the other uh, sports uh, equipment uh, but when it comes to to mountains if there's no snow actually you can't you can't do anything i mean you can't do your skiing mm-hmm. or if the the ocean is is dirty full of uh algaes or plastic then then basically it's not the same practice so yeah we can clean fields uh soccer fields or whatever it is rugby um, but when it comes to the oceans or other like na- nature, um, yeah, when it comes to nature, you're just going to take care of what you're doing at the, at the larger scale as a human and the impact you have on the environment. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think it's important that companies like Nomad Surfing um, are really there to, to allow athletes and you know, sport participants to you know, have that option that they are able to reduce their impact and they are able to think consciously about what they're doing and that they're able to um, take action in, the, in their own lives. Um, so yeah, with, without innovator, without innovators and entrepreneurs like you, there wouldn't be, you know, we wouldn't be able to tackle these issues as, as, um, as much as we are. So hopefully, hopefully uh, people listening um, are inspired by what you're saying and they want to you know, start their own uh, company or, you know, buy from you at Nomad Surfing in France or in Europe. Um, so that, that's that's really all the questions I had for you today, Thomas. So thank you so much. Um, I do always end off with one final question. Um, and it's, what do you believe the power of sport is? Um, all right. J- j- uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that uh, just for, for a minute. Um, just going back on what you said uh like with others entrepreneurs uh my background is uh, civil engineering so i have nothing doing uh doing with uh, surfing or this kind of industry and what we've been doing is not like fundamental uh, research uh, and development we just been uh taking technologies for other industry and saying hey can we move that to to surf and will that work and testing and you know Little by little, we we ended up here, and I, I encourage anyone to to try to do that in their own uh, field. You know, I'm a surfer, but someone do, uh, in skiing or snowboarding, wakeboarding, whatever. I'm sure there's plenty of technologies used in other fields that can be uh, brought there to um, to uh, to make those sports uh, more eco-friendly. And uh, so your last question was the impact of, of sports. Um, well, definitely, I think is one of the biggest uh, way to impact people. Um, when you look at the when you look at the biggest event follow on on TV, I think in North America will be the Super Bowl. This is where you have like one billion people connecting. I'm not sure how it is there, but in Europe during the Soccer World Cup, this is where all life stopped and everyone is uh, 
watching TV, following a team, uh, you forget about religions, friends, and uh, not, I mean, everyone is friend. You forgot about uh, uh, religion, colors, uh, problems. It's all like having a drink and sharing for your team. So definitely towards uh, sports, you can uh, give uh, yeah, a lot of um, thoughts and uh, yeah, messages, mm. I think sport athletes have huge uh, responsibility for what they do or what they do not uh, because because they've been followed by so many people uh, I, might, I might be mistaken but one of the biggest um, instagram account must be cristiano ronaldo like soccer player uh, so whatever he posts there or whatever he says whatever he buy uh, shows something and you might influence Lots of people, generation, behaviors, mm -hmm. and uh, nowadays what what we need uh, globally is uh, is you know uh, a change, small mm -hmm. change, little by little, step by step. But yes, yeah, sports, so sports com uh, companies and athletes have a massive role in uh, in that uh, in that shift. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you the best of luck with Nomad Surfing and continued success with your with your with with everything that you're doing and, and the impact that you're having. Yeah, thank you, David, for giving us the, giving us the opportunity to uh, talk, talk about our company. Have a good one. Cheers. Thank you once again to Thomas for coming on the podcast to talk about nomads surfing. You know, my key takeaway from this episode, I think, is that when we're traveling, when we are, you know, participating in sports and recreation, uh, I think we need to think about we need to think more about um, the you know the environmental impact, right? If you're traveling, do you need to do a bus tour, or is there a bike tour or walking tour that you can do instead? Um, are, you know, are there are there more eco-friendly options um, that we can do? You know, voting with our wallet is really powerful, and um, and it does show, you know, uh, markets and the companies what we value and what we want. If if more and more of us purchase uh, eco-friendly products, we'll eventually move in that direction, and uh, you know, the scalability that we talked about, it'll it'll be more enticing and more profitable. Um, and, and you know, it'll make more sense for more companies to move in that direction. So we need to really think about voting, or, you know, voting with our wallets and, and, and focus on what we can do and what we control and think about that more holistically all the time. So that is it. That is it for this episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening and we will talk with you next time.